0: We, we all tend to get a little bit self-focused about how these things are negatively impact our lives. But I think asking ourselves, is there anything I could do today that would help someone else? Um, we know a lot about how that sort of reshifts our energy and reshifts our mood. Um, and that might be for a kid, reaching out to a kid who might be lonely. That might be offering to help mom and dad around the house a little bit. That might be offering to walk a neighbor's dog or get them groceries or something that they need what is it, who is it in their world um, that could use a little something right now and could they be the person to give them out?
1: Hey, everybody. It's Ann Taylor Hertzel, your host for the Culture Shift podcast. I'm back with episode 12, and I've asked my friend, uh, Dr. Amy Mazoulis, to come back. She's a clinical psychologist as well as the chair of Seattle Pacific University's clinical psychology department. She specializes in adolescence, and I think it's important to listen to her today and some of the tools and tips she has for helping our teens cope with the impact of social distancing during this coronavirus crisis. Uh, We're all in this together. uh, Important. She will also have a PDF. I'll put in the show notes that you can download uh, with some helpful uh, tips in terms of getting your kids organized, helping them create structure and meaning and purpose for their days at home, and really to uh, teach and coach them how to be advocates to support other teens and friends as they're feeling uh, the impacts as well. Please enjoy my conversation with Amy Mizzoulis. Welcome to the Culture Shift Podcast. I've got my friend Amy Mazoulis back uh, with us today. Hello, Amy. Hello. How are you doing today? Hanging in there. <laughs> it's so, only Monday. Things are on- still positive. Day one. We're Day all one. Bla- blazing new trails together in this uh, Seattle um, lockdown uh, during the coronavirus. So we, um, we've we been chatting and I wanted to bring you back on. We had an amazing conversation about teens and anxiety, Uh, what, a couple months ago um, when we started the podcast. And I wanted to bring you back on because myself and I know many other parents, uh, we're uh, navigating this uncharted territory right now with the coronavirus and the escalating, you know, sort of social distancing that we are doing right now as a responsibility to our community. Um, You know, in terms of navigating our kids through this, can you sort of maybe provide some some guidance for parents who are at a loss on how to help their kids navigate uh, all this uncertainty?
0: I can try. Um, <laughs> so, I think, well, I mean, I think about this a lot, you know, and, and as you and I have talked to I me, and I'm both a psychologist who specializes, specializes in adolescent mental health, but I'm also a parent of two high schoolers myself. So, I'm seeing this, you know, both from my professional hat and from my personal hat. Um, I guess I would say the first thing to think about is that there are unique effects on teenagers that are different from those that we're experiencing as adults. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, the biggest one is the loss of all the functions that school plays um, in a kid's life to help them sort of organize their life. And I think I was thinking about today. I was like, what What are all the things that kids get out of school? And I think we're we're thinking a lot about the social effects and kids feeling isolated. And I think that's really important. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. Kids are also missing out on quite a few other things that they get from school. So one of them is just simply organization of their day, right? It's a reason to get up and get out of the house and get dressed. And it sort of puts a beginning, middle and end on your day, especially if they do after school activities or sports. Um, So I think we had to think about that importance of sort of meaning and purpose and organization That meaning and purpose piece is important too. Um, You know, you get to go to school and I mean, not everybody loves school, but many kids do and they get to go to school and they get to be an effective student or they go to their sports practice and they're working on a new PR or they're looking forward to a competition that's coming up or they go to art club or math club or any of their other activities. And that is part of their identity and part of what gives them a sense of who they are um, and what they're good at. And we sort of in one fell swoop, have taken a whole bunch of those features away from kids. Um, and so it's not quite as simple as just saying, oh, they're not getting the same education or, oh, they're not seeing their friends. I think school gives kids other features in terms of structure, meaning and purpose, social opportunities, obviously. Um, and so when we think about it that way, then I think it helps me, at least as a parent, think about, okay, what do I need to work on then with my kids to help them be successful in this time when they can't go to school and have those um those features
1: yeah absolutely that's a really good point i think we're kind of unpacking this as we go right absolutely paying attention and listening and trying to identify and read um there's so much information out there right now i think as a professional and a mom what are some things that parents can do right now to support kids during this time and i imagine it's different for each age group correct
0: it is different for each age group.
1: Um, and certainly it is probably
0: easier the older kids get in the sense that they can be a little bit more. Uh, well, first of all, they can be allowed to be on their own more um, and have increasing with age, more capacity for organizing their own time effectively. Um,
1: but I'm sorry that this is being in the background. Um, and we're all sort of navigating these online, medi- online meetings too. So yeah, I right. had Skype calls and we're going to just do our best to work. We're just going to do our best.
0: <laughs> There's some of the things I can turn off and some of them I don't know how to do. So, uh, <laughs> so I think the number one thing is to to have a plan, meaning sort of schedule that's set for the day. Um, and that schedule needs to include the same sorts of functions that, uh, that kids and families would have had had this been normal school and work time. So that includes times dedicated to, you know, doing whatever online learning opportunities are available to you or other sort of educational um, intellectual reading that may be test workbooks, that may be um, things that parents pull off the web. Um, But that it's sort of dedicated to, we are still going to take some time to pursue the things that school fills in terms of education and learning. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another thing that's important to get on that schedule is some opportunity for physical exercise. Um, whether your kids are athletes or not, just getting up, getting out of the house, going to classes, walking down the halls, you collect a lot of steps that way. And when you're at home all day, you don't have even those same everyday opportunities. And we're really lucky here in Seattle right now that we have gorgeous weather this week. And it looks like it's going to be gorgeous all week. So making sure that kids are getting outside, getting some physical activity, this is important for a lot of reasons. I mean, obviously just for health, um, fresh air, but also for sleep. You and I talked a little bit about sleep when we talked in the fall and how important sleep is for kids. When yes, not getting enough exercise, they don't sleep as well. And one of the things that's gonna happen right now is that kids' sleep schedules might get really disrupted because it's just so tempting to stay up late and sleep in. Um, I really encourage them not to do that, but I know a lot of them will. But getting exercise will help them be tired enough to get to bed and try to keep a normal sleep schedule. Mm -hmm. um, a schedule, a plan that includes all the different things. So physical activity, some structured learning time. Um, And then I think the other, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about social adjustment too, because I think that's important. Um, But I think, you know, and and you know me and you know my approach to a lot of these things, which is um, absolutely acknowledge the bad and the hard, but do whatever you can to look on the bright side and see the positives. So well, all of us say, we're so busy, we're so busy, I never have time for X. Hey, guess what? We have a lot of time right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. <we've laughs> what is just... your X? What is it? You
0: always said you wish you had more time to blank watch this movie, read this book, learn about this, pick up this hobby, bake, cook. Um, so I really encourage families to sit down and say, Hey. You know, gosh, we have a decent amount of much less structured time than we used to have. What are a couple things that sort of fall to the back burners that maybe we could pull up front? You know, my kids and I, our list have included, we're going to clear out all of our bathroom drawers. We're going to clear out the closets and, you know, collect all the clothes that we've outgrown and that we need to be donated. Um, The pantry needs sorting. The spice drawer needs sorting. I mean, it's not fun stuff. It's not necessarily exciting, but it's kind of stuff we don't often get to. And this is the kind of time to do that. So I encourage families to sit down and make those kinds of lists of like, what are things that we wouldn't actually think of, not just our normal everyday things that we need to build in, but what are some things that actually we could be making time for right now because we have a little bit more unstructured time. So I think those are a couple of things that would help, but to get up every day, have a bit of a plan for the day that would make each person in the house feel like they were successful, if they were able to cross everything off that to-do list. Absolutely. And you it. asked about parents and different sort of different ages and different kids. Yeah. I say Some of that is just different kids as long as along with different ages. Um, mm-hmm. Every parent knows their kid best. I would not assume that any kid, even a teenager can completely manage that time and that schedule on their own. They might need reminders. They may need checking in. They may need a little bit of accountability. Think about the number of teachers that a kid sees during the day or the number of coaches. You know, it's not necessarily their parent, but they have a lot of adults kind of, gently holding them accountable for things. Um, And teenagers still need that structure. They're not gonna like it, but some amount of parental kind of checking in, monitoring the schedule, I think will be really helpful.
1: Yeah, and not to get overwhelmed. I know that some kids are gonna have no schedule whatsoever uh, with school and remote learning. Some of the districts have um, chosen that path and then others have digital learning plans. really different um, school to school. Very different, very different. Well, I love that. So you're saying making a plan for them every day and also having this sort of family list of things that they can get done. I know I told my daughters, like anytime I feel like, Control is a challenge, right? Uh, organizing a drawer or something like makes me feel we like we have, have a very or clean
0: houses by the end of this.
1: I know. One of the bright sides it will be organization and, and yes. having time <laughs> to do all the things that we say we're too busy to do. Um, we might find Purell hidden in the back of a closet somewhere. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Isn't that great? We might, we might for sure. That, I love it. Okay. So, um, what about isolation from friends and social groups? So that is one thing. Every family, we've sort of kind of, in Seattle, we're kind of leading the charge here in terms of what the rest of the country is doing just because we were sort of the, as they called it, epicenter of the U.S. Um, sort of rolling out here. Um, some families are sort of like, ah, it's fine if they come over or not come over. Yeah. Everybody has different rules right now. We also feel a, a social responsibility for distancing. Um, that's really getting tightened down right now, mm-hmm. um, so it's hard to say. Well, no, you can't go out with your friends to blah 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 because you know we're trying to do our part here. How um, how do we help our kids navigate that and and explain to them how important that is and how do we help them? That's hard, not having that it social is time. Very hard.
0: Um, I think. I mean, to some extent, every family is going to have to establish their own family sort of rules and norms given their circumstances and given what they feel comfortable with. Um, you know, I think you and I both probably have talked to lots of, I have friends who have not let their kids um, do anything really outside the house for more than a week now. I mean, they were ahead of some of the social distancing requirements. I have others who are like, we're having eight kids over for a sleepover tonight. Um, and kind of everything in between kids going to the mall, you know, right now, maybe I don't know if you even know if the mall is open, but, um, So I do think one thing is to kind of know where you are as a family on that spectrum. Like, I think it's, this is a time that it's really important for families to have a clear sense of what their own values and rules are, um, and to communicate those and the rationale behind them to kids. Um, doesn't mean that if you're one of the sort of stricter families that your kid is going to like it, but, um, kids always will do better if the rationale for it is explained. Um, why parents feel so strongly about it. And that may be everything from, A, we have a vulnerable person in our network. We have elderly grandparents around. We have mom, you know, mom or dad has to go to work and be in this setting. I have one friend who has been social distancing her family and her kids because she's a medical doctor. She's like, I know I'm being exposed. And so then I'm coming home. My kids have no choice but to see me. I can keep my kids from seeing other people. Hmm. And doing it as a way to protect other people who might come into contact with her family And it doesn't make it easy on her kids, but at least she's explaining the rationale behind it. Um, Some people may have, you know, really just a clear sense of social responsibility and communicating that clearly to their kids, whatever the rationale is. I think it's just important, especially um, the older teenagers get them to understand the why behind any family decision.
1: Absolutely. Well, I mean, and that's, oh, I was just going to say, and and I think that applies with anything, right? And even kind of shines a spotlight on that right now. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, challenges with making those decisions. I I certainly think that the rationale with flattening the curve and all that made a whole lot more sense to me at first. I was like, I don't, I'm not really understanding all this. And then it really became clear. And so keeping an open conversation about that with your family is super important. Yes.
0: Um, Uh, one thing is the rationale and then the other is, okay, so we are in to some extent, every family varying a little bit, um, socially isolated social distancing and for kids we have to remember that even if they're in a family which is maybe a little bit more lenient about things they may have friends whose parents are more strict that they can't see for various reasons so it is going to start to affect everybody kind of no matter what their own family norms are um you know the one thing is that kids are much better at technology than we are um and so i do think that they will naturally know to be staying in touch with kids over things like social media. Um, the, the things that I would think I would worry about are um, two, kind of two groups of kids. One is kids who maybe don't necessarily have a close friend or close group of friends kind of outside of their activities or outside of school um, that they confide in. They may have, you know, a long list of kids on Snapchat that the pictures get sent to, but no one kind of checking in on them regularly. That would be a group of kids I'd be concerned about. And then um, the other is um, uh, kids who maybe don't don't know kind of how to reach out to kids in a way beyond kind of the constraints of social media. And those are things that parents, I think, can do a little coaching around. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that um, I was talking about with my kids was who in your social network do you think would appreciate you reaching out to them? Like in a personal way, not a group post on something, right. But in a, an actual direct message that was like, Hey, how are you? How are you handling this? Um, What are things like at home? Or I saw that post. That's a bummer. I'm having that situation too. Almost everybody knows somebody who would appreciate that kind of personal reach out. Um, And I think, teaching our kids, modeling that for our kids might also might help both of those groups of kids might help our kids learn how to reach out, but might also then elicit people responding with more personal
1: um, connections. I love it. Yeah, super important. You just never know what people are dealing with at home too. And, and I think we've talked about this too, is even if your home environment is stable and you have a good open dialogue and conversation you can't assume that your neighbor or um, you know your friends your your kids friends are having that experience being at home as well right maybe being at home is even more difficult than being at school and so there are a lot of kids for whom being at home is definitely more
0: stressful and more challenging than being at school school is a huge respite for them so they're Um, they're not getting that opportunity now. And, you know, we may or may not know that about our kids' friends. They usually know
1: that. Yeah, absolutely. So encouraging our teens and and kids to reach out to their friends too, just to ask how they're doing as well um, is really important. Absolutely. Okay, so we talked a little bit about some of the conversations we can have um, Mm -hmm. to support them. So what are some of those conversations we can have? I know we in our own house have said, oh, I'm just tired of hearing about it. And that's all we talk about. Like, I understand okay. that so many families are feeling that right now. So what are the conversations we can have and how do we keep spirits high when there's a lot of sure. uncertainty?
0: Yeah, so I think, I always think about this in a, in kind of a two-step a two step process. So one is, um, the first part is we need to acknowledge the parts that are hard for ourselves and our kids. And I think, um we don't necessarily know what that is. So one of the things I said to you um, when we were prepping for this was, you know, to actually sit down and ask your kids, like, what is it that's hardest for them? Um, and I think the answer will vary. I mean, for some kids, it will be not seeing my friends. But, you know, for one of my daughters, it is she has so much identity in being a student. She likes going to school. She likes seeing her teachers. She likes the structure of school. That That's what she's missing. Um, I think our high school seniors are really worried and upset about what is going to happen with things like prom and graduation. And um, a lot of athletes are worried about, hey, I'm sort of counting on this season to show the coach this or, you know, maybe get scouted for that or whatever it was. I think one thing as parents is to not necessarily assume that we know what is hard for our kids in this situation, but to take the time to ask that and to honor it um, and and to allow them to be sad um, and anxious about um, the situation. I. It's hard for me to know. I'm sure there are some kids who are anxious about coronavirus, but on average, kids um, tend to be a little bit more wrapped up in their own experiences. And some of the things that they're anxious or worried about or thinking about much be, might be much more related to their own lives than, than the things that we assume that they're anxious about from our perspectives. So that would be the first thing is just have a good conversation with them. What is it actually that this is bringing up that's hard for them so that we can Mm -hmm. appreciate what their needs are and allow them to be sad about those things and anxious and not invalidate those at all. You know, I mean, on the one hand, it sounds, you know, really like big picture, socially appropriate to be like, Hey, but at least you have a roof over your head and it's not that that's not true. And we're going to get to that in a second. Yep. Probably the first thing to be said is, yeah, it's really a bummer to think that you might not get prompt. I mean, that just, that sucks. You've been looking forward to it. Um, then I do think after the sort of asking and the acknowledging of what is hard, then I think the part comes in, well, is there any way that we can look at the good in this situation? Is there any way in which we can say, you know, this is one way in which I am fortunate that I'm in this situation as opposed to this one? Um, is there any way in which I can say, hey, um, I, can, I can find something good In this, that's a good life skill to do that, and it's a fine line to do that without invalidating all the negative feelings too. But I think the best conversations we'll have with parents, as as parents with our kids, is when we can do both of them: to acknowledge Mm -hmm. the bad, honor it, and then also help them see ways in which they can think more positive.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so acknowledging the bad, but also help them see opportunities. And good things you know out of difficult situations I think we talked a lot about in our last podcast about develop helping to develop resiliency I was on a run today and I couldn't help but think wow what resiliency we're all building right now trying to we navigate are. through this
0: yep and kids are learning a good lesson I mean again this is big picture adult speaking but you know it, it to not get the sports season or to not graduate or, you know, or to not have graduation or not have your big dance. Of course those will suck and it will not be the end of their lives and learning both those things.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I've
0: one other piece of advice, like very specific piece of advice for a conversation between parents and kids. And that is um, having a good conversation about where kids are getting their news from. There's Mm. a lot of, less than reliable news floating around out there um and i think one thing that we can do as parents is be really good role models in terms of a how we get um sort of scientifically validated good information what are the sources that we trust and why and b of course you know checking our own anxiety a little bit and make sure we're modeling for our kids an appropriate mix of taking this seriously taking appropriate precautions without sort of panicking um so i think I I do think sometimes, especially with older teenagers who like to tell us how wrong we are all the time. Mm -hmm. What? That happens in your house?
1: (laughs) Never happens happens in mine.
0: But, you know, we know there's so much data on this. At the end of the day, kids see everything their parents do. Um, Every single thing. They are watching us right now for cues about how anxious to be, how to handle the situation. And um, so I just, I think us, checking the role model that we're setting is important
1: too. Yeah. Yeah. That's so difficult because as we were talking before we started recording, I mean, you can't help as parents to not be anxious yourself. I mean, we're going to have waves of anxiety going, gosh, I have no idea the stock market is tanking every day. There's a new announcement of something that I like shock and awe it's um, it's uncharted territory as we talked about. So you know, trying to say, "Hey, we're we're going to be informed and and listen." And yes, we are talking about it a lot, but it's because we're processing it. You know, like sometimes talking about things can, helps you process. And then, but we're going to stay focused on our north. And here's what we're doing um, to sort of reassure them that we're going to keep life is still going to keep moving on. It's not coming to a screeching halt.
0: Yeah, I think effective modeling is not attempting to pretend that we're not concerned or anxious because that would be that wouldn't be true and, and Mm -hmm. pick up on that pretty quickly. They would see that for being, um, disingenuous. Um, you know, but I think we can, we can do just that. We can model how to be concerned, worried, and sort of make choices that, um, that, that display sort of adaptive coping in anxiety producing situations.
1: Yeah. And I'm trying to do my best to, to sort of like try to check the news a couple of times a day and, Not all the time in a giant feed, right? (laughs) Easier said than done. And to really
0: think about, you know, yeah, where we're getting news from. I think that's a big one, especially for kids. There's a lot of, it's a little bit better now, I think, um, than it was in the first week or two. But, you know, it was, oh, I heard this, I heard this and a snap of this and a screenshot of that. And, um, Mm. you know, some of those rumors didn't turn out to be true. And I think that that's hard. So, um, you know, right now, we have a pretty good sense of where information is coming directly from, you know, the CDC, from the departments of health, from the governor's office, directly from school districts. I and mean, that's information that, you know, is is legitimate in terms of what new regulations or new recommendations are.
1: Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, and especially since many parents who are listening to this are not on Snapchat every day where our kids are, um, it's really important, I think, to ask that question. Like, what what's surfacing in your feed? Like, what are the stories that you're seeing? Because we don't know. Right. It's algorithmically generated based on their past behavior and also what's being served right now. And so it's right. super important to to talk to them about what they are seeing too and have them show you. Like, hey, you know, this article pops up quite a bit or, you know, is this true or not true? Right. I mean, having those dialogues, I think is really important Absolutely. Um, Okay, so you have some tools available. Do you want to talk a little bit about, um, and I'm going, you gave me an amazing handout, which I'm going to put into the show notes. Can you talk to me a little bit about what your uh, latest project is and how that's going to, you know, how you're helping with this? Uh, I'm trying. Um,
0: So I think the the tool I gave you is just a handout I've been working on with a colleague of mine, um, Michelle Kuhn, to... To, to answer the question that you raised, which is, you know, what are what are some tips for teenagers dealing with the social distancing requirements of this pandemic? Um, and it has a just a very specific list of tips of things that kids can be doing to um, sort of be adaptively coping with the situation. A lot of them we talked about and a couple that are different. Um, you're welcome to circulate that. Um, that collaboration with, um, with Dr. Kuhn is part of another project that I'm working on. So I'm just getting ready to Uh, to launch a um, teletherapy app um, called Uplift um, where we're hoping to deliver kind of high quality evidence-based mental health care to teenagers and their families. And we're just getting ready to accept our first clients in the next week or two. Um, So that's exciting. And we're looking forward to the opportunity to sort of take what we know about what works in terms of um, mental health treatment and make it more accessible and sort of leverage technology to do that. Um, And I gave you some information on how people can get more information on that if they're interested. Um, And then the last thing um, that I'm doing, this is a little bit separate from um, the mental health treatment work, is that I do a lot of research. And one of the things that we're also launching this week um, out of my role at SPU is an online study looking at the effects of social distancing on social isolation, depression, and anxiety among people, both adults and teenagers. So I'll be getting that um, distributed out so that we can actually be tracking in real time how the the social distancing effects um, are, how they're playing out in terms of people's mental health and the things that are protecting and the things that are um, putting people more at risk for mental health.
1: Oh, wonderful. I'm so excited to see that research. I think that'll be super important and helpful for parents and, um, you know, for us to be able to navigate this journey with them. Um, you had sent, uh, it's upli- uh, excuse me upliftnavigator.com is where yep. uh, people can find information on the new teletherapy available and um, can submit an email request uh, mm-hmm. potentially for being uh, part of the beta yep. uh, for families. Yep, the best way to
0: email is um, to my email, which is just drmissoulis at missoulispsychological.com.
1: And i um, happy to give more information and talk to people who might be interested. Great. And then you had some sort of closing tips for us with teens. So, what can teens do to help other teens um, support them while we're dealing and navigating with the social distances? You said uh, reaching out daily. Absolutely. So identify
0: the couple of people that they want to be checking in with every day. That might be their own closest friends. It might be a couple of family members, might be one or two kids that they think might be at risk for being really lonely. Um, and just make it a habit of every day to check in and see how they're doing. Um, you know, be willing to do things that aren't just sending memes through Snapchat. So being willing to FaceTime, being willing to send actual texts or messages. Um, there are ways in which kids can be can engage in social activities sort of in parallel, but not together. So you can put your phone on FaceTime and watch a movie um, simultaneously together um, and talk about it as if you were near each other. It is not the same thing as being in person, but there are ways in which um, they can sort of virtually have a little bit of time together. And then I, love the I would say is, um, you know, we, we all tend to get a little bit self-focused about how these things are sort of negatively impact our lives But I think asking ourselves, is there anything I could do today that would help someone else? Um, We know a lot about how that sort of reshifts our energy and reshifts our mood. Um, And that might be for a kid, reaching out to a kid who might be lonely, that might be offering to help mom and dad around the house a little bit, that might be offering to walk a neighbor's dog or get them groceries or something that they need. What is it, who is it in their world um, that could use a little something right now and could they be the person to give them that
1: person? I love that I think these tips apply to you and me and everyone else too that are listening I think super important to reach out daily ask how I can be a helper um, and really staying connected with friends and family who may be you know feeling anxious and we can all sort of you know support each other in this as we're as we're going in the days ahead <laughs>
0: It may be a long couple months. So I think, yeah, um, managing our a- anxiety and our energy to, to have a good attitude over the long haul, um, I think that's going to be really important.
1: Great. Dr. Amy Mazoulis, Department Chair, uh, Clinical Psychology for Seattle Pacific University, and now a awesome new pilot program with Uplift Navigator. Uh, check it out. I'll leave it in the show notes. Amy, thank you for coming back to chat about this really important topic, and I look forward to continuing to share resources and the research that you have, and we can continue to lift up our teens and also um, take some of this advice for ourselves as well as we navigate through this uh, coronavirus.
0: I'm always happy to talk with you, and I really appreciate uh, what you're doing with Culture
1: Shift to bring some attention to things that matter in people's lives, so thank you. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Amy. Hey y'all, I hope you're having as much fun listening to the Culture Shift podcast as I am having these conversations. Please hit the subscribe button, share your favorite episodes with friends. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on cultureshiftpodcast.com, or you can ask Anne me a question on Instagram, my perfectly imperfect Instagram at cultureshiftpodcast or hip travel mama.